I tell you today, and I, and I give you uh, grace and mercy and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, our, our congregation, and I'm going to keep telling you, this turns 150 years old this year. Uh, we officially turn 150 in, in September, but uh, in July, on July 23rd, uh, we are having our, our official celebration on that day, July 23rd. So if you have not yet, if you haven't if you missed the announcements, mark your calendars for July 23rd. On that day, we're having just one service at 10 a.m., uh, one service at 10 a.m., followed by an afternoon of fun starting at 3 p.m. at the Keweenaw Base Camp. Uh, we'll get you directions out there. It's just seven miles outside of town uh, where we'll have uh, games for kids. They have a private lake and beach and hiking and uh, we'll have music and all kinds of good uh, food as well. So uh, please plan on attending that event. Uh, again, the committee wanted me to let you know about the, the merchandise that is available. Um, and you can pick up order forms in the back or order online. There's information about that in your bulletin. Uh, but leading up to that, that event on July 23rd, uh, we are taking the, the 150 year old mission statement of our congregation, which still exists in our Constitution, and we're looking at it phrase by phrase each week to see how this mission of God uh, remains unchanged. Even though our culture changes, we change, uh, the mission of God remains unchanged because God remains unchanged. And so, uh, to begin today, let me read for you uh, in its entirety this uh, mission statement of the congregation. It says this, The purpose of this congregation shall be to give honor and glory to God, to carry out His will, to assist in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world, to manifest the unity of our faith in Jesus Christ as God and Savior, to foster Christian fellowship and love, to extend a helping hand in human need, and to achieve our objectives by the preaching of the Word of God, by the administration of the sacraments, and by the religious instruction of all its members, according to the confessional standards of the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Uh, today we're in the third phrase, this, this phrase I'm titled, uh, to assist in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world. This is part of the mission of the church. Uh, so the first week we focused on giving honor and glory to God. Last week, carrying out his will. And today, assist in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world. Uh, to do this, we're going to break this down into three sections today, three smaller sections. First, uh, the word, we're going to look at the word assist, then preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then finally to all the world. So finally, let's, let's start with this word assist. What does it look like to assist someone? Uh, maybe some of you have in mind the hockey player who passes the puck at the last second uh, to, to the other hockey player who shoots it into the net for that game-winning one-timer. I think that's what it's called. I never played hockey, all right? Um, or, or maybe you think of the basketball player who lobs up the ball to the other guy who slam dunks the alley right? I never played basketball, that's what it's called, right? I, okay, uh, so you got the hockey player, the basketball player, or maybe, maybe you think of assisting someone as uh, holding the hand of your child as you walk across the street, or offering your arm to an elderly person in an icy parking lot. To assist someone means you give up yourself to work together with someone else uh, to accomplish a task together, to assist someone. In this mission statement today, it says that we are called to assist. We are called to assist in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But my question today is, who are we assisting? I, I don't know, but maybe as congregation members, you go, okay, maybe this means, okay, as a congregation member, I assist the preacher in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Is that what you think, that, that this is talking about you assisting me? Or as a congregation, is this saying all of us are mutually assisting together someone else? Well, let's take a look at the lesson today from Matthew chapter 28. Uh, and I think that'll help to shape some of this context for us. So in Matthew chapter 28, we have what we often call the Great Commission. These are Jesus' departing words to his disciples, the last words that he spoke to them before his ascension into heaven. So this is what Jesus says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus gave this command to his apostles and to all Christians who were gathered there with him on that day and by the power of the Holy Spirit because we have been baptized into Christ Jesus this command of Jesus is actually also for all believers in Christ to this day right? the Great Commission is for the church the Great Commission, these words of command are for absolutely every single one of us to carry out in God's mission in this world. And so what does this say that we ought to do? First, what? Make disciples. To go and make disciples. So a disciple is one who is learning. So you, in your lives, hopefully have people who you are teaching the faith to. Parents, first of all, this happens in your homes, right? You disciple your children. You raise them up to know who Jesus is. Hopefully, every single one of you, at some point in your lives, and even now to this day, you have people who you are discipling in the way of Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? We baptize and we teach them to know who Jesus is. But back to this phrase of assist, right? It says that we are all called to assist in the preaching of the gospel. So who are we assisting? And again, maybe you have in your mind that as a congregation member, you're assisting me. But I would actually say when we look at Matthew 28, that this is about all of us mutually and collectively assisting one another and actually assisting Jesus Christ himself. I don't know if you think about it like this, but Jesus is actually still this day on mission in this world. It is, it is Jesus who saves, correct? Therefore, Jesus is at work in this world still to this day, seeking and saving those who are lost. Jesus is on mission in this world. I think often as Christian people, we think God has sent us with the mission. That we need to go and figure it out and do it. But in actuality, what the relationship looks like is Jesus is on a mission. And he has said to you and to me, join me. Join me. Join me on my mission to seek and to save those who are lost. So Jesus is already doing the work and he's inviting you to participate, to assist him. Right? And, and not only to invite you, but I believe in, he is more than inviting you. He has commanded you to assist him in this work. So, 
How do we do it then? We assist Jesus in his work of salvation. And how does that come about? Through the second phrase, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you don't think of yourself as a preacher. They say that the vast majority of people, that their number one fear is public speaking. I don't know if that's true or not among those of you in this room, right? But you are a preacher. You are a preacher. What is a preacher? A preacher is somebody who uses words to make a point, really. You all have words, correct? You speak on a daily basis. You all have opinions about things, do you not? You all speak strongly your opinions and your viewpoints and your worldview with your family and friends, right? And your worldview shapes the way that you speak. Therefore, you are a preacher in all of those instances when you speak. Maybe, though, you've never thought of yourself as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe it's because you don't necessarily know what to say. So today, if you don't know what to say, let me give you some words to speak. Here are a few simple words that you can speak. Jesus is God. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus forgives and loves all people. Jesus is coming back. Let me say that again. Jesus is God. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus forgives and loves all people. Jesus is coming back. If you can speak these words, then you are echoing the words of the apostles in Acts chapter 2. We just heard read for us from Acts chapter 2 a couple of minutes ago, and Acts chapter 2 that we heard today is still happening in this Pentecost event. If you were here last week, we looked at this in a little bit more detail, but that day of Pentecost, that was that day when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples and opened their minds to the scriptures so that they actually understood what Jesus was doing. And the Holy Spirit opened their lips to speak the Christian faith on that day. And, and they said a lot of words on that day, but if you boil it down, what they are actually saying are essentially these words. Let me say them for you again. Jesus is God. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus forgives and loves all people. Jesus is coming back. Can you read it with me? Let's say it together. Jesus is God. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus forgives and loves all people. Jesus is coming back. Those few simple words preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know that the word gospel means good news? Gospel means good news. Gospel means good news, and, and I believe that this world is desperate for some good news. Doesn't it seem as though that it's the bad news that gets all the attention? And not only from the world, we can't just blame the world on this, but you and I get sucked into this world. We get sucked into the bad news of scandals, of secrets, of uh, gossip and lying, and frankly, even of death itself. This world, and I believe it's Satan at work, wants to let this world know and get this world convinced that there is only bad news. 
Dear friends, Christian people, do you know that there is a good news that overcomes all of that? Do you know, I believe that you know that there is good news, but let me tell you again, there is. And the good news is this, that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh who came into this world and suffered death and punishment for sin so that you and I could be forgiven. And yet Jesus did not stay dead. Jesus rose from the grave, and as Peter says in Acts chapter 2, he conquered death. He conquered death. Dear friends, in Christ, death has been conquered for you. Death is swallowed up in the victory of Christ. Therefore, you have forgiveness and love and all of the positive effects that come with that. And then, on top of it, Jesus is coming back to make all things new. You have hope that this broken and dark and decaying world will not be the last thing that gets its say over you. There is good news, and this world is desperate for that good news. Dear friends in Christ, I pray that you know that this truth of salvation is for you, that you have received it, and not only have you received it, but you've also been commanded to preach it, to preach it, to proclaim it, to live it. And where does this happen? In where? Finally, all the world. All the world. I was listening to a podcast the other day where a, a pastor of a church was talking about uh, how he was trying to encourage and challenge his congregation to uh, bring the good news of salvation to the ends of the earth. So he was giving a sermon one time uh, where he, he, he had this bold statement where he said to them, I want you in this next year to pray about and take actionable steps to go abroad somewhere uh, on a short-term mission trip to bring the good news of salvation to the ends of the earth. Not only did he say that, but then he also said to them, I think he was just being bold that day, he said, and if you are willing to take this task at the end of this sermon, I want you to come forward here. If you're going to take this challenge, I want you to come forward and I'm going to pray a prayer upon you. And as he was retelling this story, he said, I didn't quite know what was going to happen and I wasn't quite ready to actually carry through on what I had said because almost everybody came forward, right? Except for those few people who were at church for the first time and they're thinking, what are these people doing, right? And so he had all these people who were committing to travel overseas and he's praying for this to happen. But he said over the next year, it actually caused quite a few problems uh, because they hadn't really thought this through all that well and now they had all these people that wanted to travel, and then they needed to line up the trips, and you talk about fundraising and finances and just the, the sheer logistics. But then on top of that, because they were so focused on traveling abroad to the nations, they actually, for a year, neglected their neighborhood. Sometimes if we're so focused on getting to the nations, we can neglect the neighborhood. But often, we also focus on the neighborhood and then neglect the nations. So how do we go about this? I believe that the mission of God is both for the neighborhood and for the nations. That the mission of God is both local and global. 
at the same time. And the church needs to be in all of those worlds at the same time. See, this is how God describes his mission in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said this to his disciples, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That, that mission statement that Jesus gave his disciples started locally. They were in Jerusalem, a city. And he said, I want you to start in Jerusalem, then go to Judea, the surrounding region, then to Samaria, further out, and then to the ends of the earth. To bring the good news of Jesus Christ to all the world, we need to go to the nations, but we can't neglect the neighborhood. And we also can't neglect the nations while focusing on the neighborhood. We have to be both local and global at the same time. And over the last couple of weeks in this congregation, a variety of people have approached me about the possibility and their desire to go abroad on short-term mission trips. And many of you have done this before, but this, this conversation has been starting. And some people are, are stepping forward in faith to be leaders in this way. But it's happened in a variety of different contexts. And I want to let you know, I believe that we are taking some steps and some strides to provide some amazing opportunities for this congregation in the very near future to go to the nations. But I also believe that God is doing some remarkable, cool things through this congregation to affect the neighborhood. We have a local garden here where families are going to be incredibly blessed by fresh produce and the relationship building that's going to happen right here in our neighborhood. Up here on the altar today are some hats. Uh, at our heaven party a couple of weeks ago, uh, we put together these hats. These hats had been made by a 90-year-old blind lady in the woods on a loom, but she couldn't get the tops sewed together. So at our heaven party, many of you sewed the, and stitched the tops together. We're going to pray a prayer of blessing upon these as they're getting sent to Green Bay, Wisconsin, to an agency called Heavenly Hats. And then we'll get distributed uh, to chemo units throughout the country. We are doing things where, where God is allowing us to bring his good news both to the neighborhood and to the nations. We have to be both local and global in the mission of Christ. But I ask you today, what role are you playing in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world? What role do you play in this? Again, you are a preacher, and you've been called and commissioned to assist Jesus in this work. Some of you may never go abroad. Some of you may never go to the nations, but all of you live in a neighborhood and you live in a family. I want to end today by giving you a very, very practical uh, tip on how to begin missional conversations with people in your lives. Uh, we call these the seven F's. The seven F's. These are uh, topics. You can put it up on the screen, Glenn. These are topics that every single person deals with. And these seven topics that begin with the letter F are, are topics in people's lives that often people are willing to talk about, but they're also very personal. And so I encourage you as Christian people to think about these seven things. And if you can have these in your minds as you engage people in conversation, to listen to them, 
but then also to share with them your worldview and how your faith in Jesus Christ shapes the way that you deal with all these things. So let me share these with you. You may want to write them down, otherwise this sermon is archived online. I wrote a blog post about this last week, so you can track this down. But let me say it for you, these seven things. Family, fitness, finance, focus, friends, future, and faith. Your worldview, the fact that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, should affect the way that you live in all of these things. And again, the, the good news of Jesus Christ, those few simple words, Jesus is God, Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus forgives and loves all people, Jesus is coming back. How do you bring that good news into all of these areas of people's lives? Good people of God, dear friends in Christ, as you would go and engage people in this world, I pray that you go knowing that you are fully loved, fully saved through the salvation and good deeds of Jesus Christ in your life. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will open your heart, your mind, and your lips to assist in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world. In the name of Jesus, amen.